0: Hey there, welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell. Get ready for a conversation that will make you rethink the traditional ways of post high school education. My guest today is Abby Brody. Abby is a mother on a mission to bring education to meet the needs of the modern student and the knowledge based economy. She is also a co founder of The Mix a personalized, outcome-based approach to higher education that puts purpose and experience first. During our conversation, Abby explains why the mix was created and how it works. We also discuss the importance of creating flexible learning ecosystems and why we need to give the power back to our students. Abby shares why meaning in learning is critical for success and how to ensure that learning is sticky. There's a lot to unpack here, so be sure to listen all the way to the end. One more special note. I'm joined in this episode by my new friend and podcast apprentice, Carson Greenberg. Carson reached out to me recently to ask if I would consider having him as an apprentice for the podcast. Of course, I said yes. Carson has been involved in the researching, planning, producing, and editing of this episode. And spoil alert he also participates in the interview. Carson is one of the sharpest and funniest teenagers I've had the pleasure to work with, and I'm grateful for his expertise and perspective. I wouldn't be surprised if Carson ends up with his own podcast one day soon. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with Abby Brody. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for being here. Carson and
1: I are so excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to Carson and you as well. And I love the name of your podcast. It is my favorite name podcast of all time. So such a pleasure to join you. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that because there's a lot of podcasts
0: out there. Um, So we want to start. We have lots of questions for you. But before we get started, if you wouldn't mind just taking a minute or two and just introducing yourself to my listeners...
1: Absolutely. So my name is Abby Brody. And foremost, I'm a mom. That is my number one mission in life. And I'm a mom who demands more. And I have a feeling if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably the same. So um, welcome to my world. I do believe that moms will change the world and will ask more of education than education even asks of itself. But I am an educator. Uh, my specialty and what I really love about education is studying what makes something sticky Okay, what I mean by sticky, learning that matters and lasts. That's the part of education that really gets me excited. I have spent the last... Mm, four and a half years studying the return on investment of education in general and the gaps between education and life success, which has really led me to focusing um, majority of my recent career in higher education. Uh, Previously, I spent most of my time in K-12 where I have to say beautiful things are happening. Now let's bring that beauty to uh, higher ed and really make them listen to bring change so that students leave our education systems life ready. And that's my goal, Mike.
0: You are singing my song, like, and we found this out when we had our initial call and talked. I mean, we probably could have talked all day. And everything you said, like my neck hurt because I was nodding and nodding and nodding to everything you said. And I love what you said about, you know, taking what happens after K through twelve and return on investment because that is such a hot term right now, especially in higher ed. And you know, our kids in my opinion, and I talk about this all the time, are not finding the opportunities that are best for them. Everybody's put in this narrow lane of get those SAT scores up, get those, you know, get your GPA up and, and go off to college when college may be the answer, mm-hmm. traditional college, but it may not be. So let's go back just a little bit. I want to talk about your journey leading up to where you are now. So can you take us back? And if you want, go all the way back as far as high school.
1: Wow. Oh boy. So I, the journey for me, I was always a good student. I liked to please. I was really hardworking and, but I had to work hard. I had to work hard. Um, I was really good at taking tests and papers and all those things. And I had no, but I had no idea from that experience what I wanted to do with my life. Absolutely none. There's, and I want to say that out loud. And And this is this is not a judgment. There's nothing from a K twelve experience that tells you what you want to do with your life. None. Um, agreed. And not, agreed. And it's not formulated for that. And maybe that's where higher education needs to be. And that's where I'm coming from. But to expect these students to make judgments and very expensive judgments on their future—half a million dollars for some in, in choosing to go to college—I had no idea. So I went. I was. I did well. I got into Duke University. I was one of those. A students who had the exact that traditional ed was serving in theory, but I never spoke to one of my professors at Duke. I went through this major. Um, I was a psychology major, and by the end of my sophomore year, I realized, wow, this is not what I want to do. But yeah, it was too late. I went abroad. Going abroad was life changing. It allowed me to get out of my comfort zone. At mix, we have something. Pretty popular to say. We say you can't be found until you're lost. Mm. You've got to be outside your comfort zone. And often in college, you retreat back to the mean. And understandably so. We're taking these young adults. We're taking them out of their family homes, out of what they've known. Most students have been with the same cohort of peers for at least four years, most more than that. And now they're thrown into this environment with thousands of students. And it's scary. Let's say it out loud. It is scary. And all you want to do is find a friend. Mm -hmm. And what you end up doing is finding a friend that lived in your hometown or someone like you. For me, it was the East Coast Jewish girls. Like, those are my friends in college, which, by the way, I love and adore. But when I went abroad, my networks, my understanding of who I can be and what is out there expanded so, so pervasively that I came back a completely different, a changed person. I came back from that experience knowing what I wanted to do with my life because I had the opportunity to explore. I came back to Duke and I said, I want to be an education major. And then all of a sudden I found out I was at a school without an education major. (gasps) There's no such thing as that at Duke. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was at the wrong school. And I just wonder if I had taken some time and a gap year or, or had an ability in my K-12 or even my first year of college to explore in an expansive way besides these requirements? Could it be different? Then that led me to being a classroom teacher. And I've taught almost every grade except second for some reason, don't know why, every grade but second. I'll get there one day, second graders. But um, I loved being in the classroom. I found the gift of helping other people find their passions and their hopes and dreams filled was just the most incredible gift. And then moved into administration and helped found a new school of thought, the first research-informed world school. We create our own content called Avenues. Loved it there. Really got an opportunity to build something that was research and data informed and push learning beyond regurgitation, but mastery and inquiry. That said, the price point of that school is $60,000 a year. Okay. For kindergarten. <gasps> Ouch. Ouch. And I'm and I I'm proud of what I built there, but I knew I had to do more. And I started this think tank where we studied education, which led us basically focusing all of our time in higher ed and I learned about some criminal things. This was one that just rocked my world. Only 8% of students' time in higher education is in the classroom. 8%. We're spending some parents up to half a million dollars for 8% curated content. What about the 92%? What about the other things that we can do during that time besides putting these students in these rote learning modules. From my research, only 14% of those who go into higher ed are successfully served in the traditional model. So we need alternatives and there needs to be a change. Our college institutions are the same as they were when they were invented 300 years ago. For the industrial economy, we are now out of the industrial economy. We're in the knowledge-based economy and our education needs to change to fit that. And that is the mission Mixes On.
0: Yes, to all of that. And that's a good segue into our next question. So, Carson, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah,
1: so you, before you're talking about how you started the mix, but why did you start it? So we started the mix basically from listening to students and parents. We started there. Who is education for? It's for the student and parent. Often when we talk about education, the educators are always talking. But we're not listening. So that was the first why. And when you start talking to parents, especially millennial parents. Now, the millennials are the most disenfranchised and most hindered from higher education. They walked out with tremendous amounts of debt uh, that we've never seen any generation and lack of job prospects. 78% of college graduates never use their degree of study. Some of them go into fields that don't require a degree at all. Is there a better way is why I started this. Can we bring the power back to the student? And I was really inspired. And Carson, this might sound crazy to you. Not that long ago, but it's going to be before you were born. If you wanted to buy Taylor Swift's hottest song, you would have buy the whole album. (laughs) You did. And, and have all this access, to all these songs you didn't care for, didn't like. You just wanted, And I'm sorry if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, Carson, you just want to shake it off. And that probably costs, I don't know, 15 cents. But you would buy the entire album for 20 something dollars. Can you believe that? And you know what we did? You know what the consumers did? We made something called mixed tapes. That's what we did because we didn't want the album. We wanted to control our listening and create our own soundtracks because this is what I'm about. Education and college is very similar. You're given an album. It's sometimes called an English major. It's sometimes called a bio major, whatever it may be. And it is all this gunk in it that you probably don't need or see the value of for what you're looking for. So at Mix, we are really saying, let's give the power back to the student. And let's also say something that is very real that college is not saying out loud. And that is, it used to be that your mom, my mom, Betsy over here, we could get a degree and we were set for life. That's no longer the case. Your generation will have 11 distinct jobs by the time they're 50 years old, which by the way, I hope doesn't scare you. I think it sounds really exciting because some of them might be in the metaverse and we don't even know where these jobs are. And we can't allow that every time you need to find a new job because of the way the economy is changing and the roles that are required to be successful, you have to go back for four years every time. That is not going to work for our nation or for you. We need to create flexible learning ecosystems that allow the student to get exactly what they need at the cheapest and most efficient price possible. That's that, Carson. i want to be really clear that I do believe that that is possible and that has happened, and we're at that exciting moment in time where you can go to classes around the world and curate your education. But I don't believe that's the solution alone. I do believe that the real power of higher education is community, networking, access, and people. So that is why the mix has created a hybrid environment where we leverage the amazing beauties of online ed to bring the power back to the student, back to you, that you could curate and get exactly what you need, while also living in communities that care about you and help you find what's next. So that when you graduate, and this is a really powerful reason why we started, so many students graduate college and they're just like, huh, what do I do next? And that isn't some, that's majority. And I feel like that's so unfair. They need a roadmap and that's on the college to help give them. And that is another reason why we started next. So good.
0: Everything you say, I'm like I said, I'm just nodding, 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 nodding. The whole, the, I, first of all, I love the mixtape analogy. That's genius. And that's for anybody in our generation, so true. I never wanted the album, but I always had to buy it. But you're right. It's not just about the what you learn, right? It's the how, the where, the when, and the community around you. I mean, the upskilling and reskilling of our workforce, whether you're coming right out of high school or whether you're mid-career, those opportunities have to be available. So I just think it's, it's brilliant what you guys are doing. And we'll be right back after a quick break. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else the importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. I've heard you talk about this before, and I'd love for you to just touch on this here today. You talk about the importance of meaning in learning. What do you mean by that for, for those who might not be familiar?
1: Yeah. So there's there's two definitions that we're really talking about. One is based on some just facts, why meaning is important. We know that 50% of those who walk into higher education don't walk out, right, with a degree. They might walk out with debt. But they don't walk out with a degree. Out of those 50%, 70% of those will drop out within their freshman year, their freshman year. And when you dig into why, because they're not dropping out because they're failing out. And I that's a real misconception. Majority of these students have B's or higher. Okay. They're dropping out, they're choosing to take themselves out. And I think that has to do with the fact that they don't see the meaning in what they're doing. And freshman year doesn't really allow that. You know, you talk about junior year, senior year, you're in those large seminars, you're getting freshman year is these huge blanket requirements. They feel like they're back into high school. And many of them didn't have a great high school experience. Now they're like, wait, I'm doing this again. I'm in English 101 again, reading these texts. They don't feel like they're moving forward. So they drop out. So the first most important thing is making sure that classes have meaning and that students understand why they're in it and it, and they see the value for their personal long-term success. So that's one thing. And two, without learning having meaning, it can't be mastered. And when I talked about it, I'm really interested in what makes learning sticky. So we know that if a student in a traditional higher education or K-12, this totally works with K-12 as well, is in a lecture-like class, they're learning about American history, they listen to the teacher, they take the notes, the next week they take the test. A month later, given that same test, they will fail. Same test, same knowledge, gone. All that time in class, all that energy, gone because it hasn't been given any meaning. They've not applied it. And monkey see, monkey do, right? So we have something, you know, why medical schools do so well is they have an incredibly strong method, okay? Middle school schools do not need to rewrite. They, a student sees, a student does, and then that student has to teach. They have to teach another what they've learned, and that is our model at Mix. We use the cognitive sciences around every cho- choice we make, in regards to how we approach education, but that makes learning meaningful and then remembered and mastered.
0: Yeah, and I see it in my own kids. I mean, in high school, they come home and it's like what, I'm like, "What'd you?" I always say that I'm like, "What'd you learn today?" Nothing, you know, or they're memori- wrote memorization for a test and only those classes where it's hands-on, interactive, experiential learning seem to be the ones that really stick and that really resonate with them. So I talk a lot about this and and I love that you're on top of this too, but the gap between college and work readiness. Mm-hmm. You were just talk, talking a little bit about it and I I have client coaching clients who come to me and they're, you know, they're ready to graduate college and they're like I don't feel ready i don't know what i need i or i've applied to all these jobs and you know having a college degree isn't enough how does mix approach that helping these young people actually be work or career ready
1: such a good question and so important and we have this week alone we've seen a real uptick in college graduates applying to mix for this exact reason what we feel and we put a lot of research on the employer side so we have a real disconnect going on okay Eighty nine percent of chief academic officers at universities say that their students are work ready. Eleven percent of employers agree with that statement. So there's a huge disconnect. So we went straight to the employers and asked them what they're looking for. And it's becoming this shouldn't be shocking to anyone. They don't. There's no H.R. department, even in marketing, that understands what the skills and competencies of a Syracuse marketing graduate student has versus the one from you know, Albany. They, they don't know because every university has their own take on what the requirements of the majors are. They're coming out with total diverse skill sets. How do we solve for this? Experience, 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 experience. This is what the employer is looking for. They would rather a student show them their work in marketing. I have done this campaign at my school, look at my assets of mastery versus a random degree, which, they, which is now being questioned in value. That is why at mix. every student graduates or leaves every term, by the way, with a portfolio. OK, we're moving towards that portfolio mastery document. So they walk away with all their credentials on one side. But on the other side, because every mixed student has to apply their learning to a real world uh, situation, they have assets of mastery. So, for example, we have two marketing students in Costa Rica right now. They are doing marketing campaigns for real businesses. So their portfolio not only has, and I will add, these are two non-degree seekers, which is fascinating. They're moving towards the more stackable credentials. And I, maybe I'll take a second on stackable credentials. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, because that's a whole new thing coming down the pipeline. So parents, get this word in your name, in your vocabulary, stackable credentials. Australia is the first to really embrace it. But we are seeing all signs that stackable credentials are coming to the United States as every university has credentials out now. Harvard has an app design credential for $800. You get certified in creating apps. Duke has a decentralized finance. Understand FNF, FAT, NFTs and all that world for $800 too. There, We are seeing more and more institutions create certifications. The question is, are we going to become a country that recognizes these these credentials where students can build their own Lego block? So, for example, I have a student named Max. If you're listening, Max, this is to you. He has he's an entrepreneur. He is not getting a degree, but he has over 12 different certifications, some in manufacturing, some in entrepreneurship from Wharton. Some in HubSpot. He understands CRMs. He knows how to build a website. He has competency in that. He also has the Facebook social media manager certification. Who knows social media better than Facebook? And all of these things create all these different courses and certifications create this incredibly rich resume that is distinctive to that student. And we, the question is to the employers, what is more meaningful Having these stackable credentials where you know this student has, understands HubSpot, CRMs, understands sales best practices, has a warden entrepreneurship, has a certification in 3D design and all this, social media. What has more value when you can see the exact certifications and skills they have versus a blanketed, very broad degree? And we are—we believe that we're going more and more in the direction of credentials, stackable skills that... That employers can know, oh, this person could hit the ground running, and wait, they have a portfolio, so I can look at their work.
0: Yeah, this the customizable learning track is, it's just the right way to go. And and talk about a standout factor, like if you're if your resume is sitting in a pile of resumes, and you know there's twelve of you, and eleven of you have a pretty, I hate to say it, but typical marketing degree, but you have exactly what you just described. As I'm sorry, as an employer, and I worked in corporate America for 20 years, as an employer, I'd be like, hey, what's this person got going on? Look how different they are. Look at everything, to your point, they can hit the ground running. Everything that they've demonstrated they can do, there's no question. They didn't just phone it in in a classroom.
1: And, And by the way, any student could do this stackable credential thing and do it. But for the mixed student, they also can add, I've lived in six countries. They have stories to tell that we know that students who go abroad outperform in school, but recent research is they outperform in life. Given a standard CV of the same student coming from an elite school, the one who went abroad is more likely to be hired. Students who go abroad show an incredible amount of confidence building, life skills. They're just more mature because they've been lost and haven't been found. So all of the mixed students have that also on top of it. And then on top of that, we teach the design thinking course that Stanford developed on site. So they know how the critical thinking skills that is required, no matter what of those 11 jobs that they have will be required. Those thinking skills will be required no matter what they do.
0: So this is all amazing and sounds really cool. But let's say I'm a parent sitting in my living room, listening to this right now. And I say, okay, how does this work? And I know you have three pathways, but let's talk about that. Like, what are the three pathways and how does it, what are the logistics of each?
1: So at MIX, there are these pathways, but I want to be really clear that some students don't fall into a pathway. We are all about each student get their own individualized education plan that maps their distinct goals. And that's different for every student. Some of our students have no idea what they want to do, and they need a term of exploration. At a low cost, no risk, high reward-like setting. And that's what Mix offers. Some of our students are like, I know exactly what I want to do. I want to be a graphic design artist, right? We get, we've get we gotten a lot of those this week. And then we sit down with them in what's called a course consult. And we listen to them. And I know that sounds like, obviously, but I really want to touch on that. For many of our students, it's the first time they're getting real coaching and mentorship many, we've seen tears on these calls. They really can't get over it. Someone's asking them to reflect on their learning styles, what they've done, what they've enjoyed. And then we talk about the paths that they can take to get to that graphic design. Now they can get a graphic design degree or there are graphic design certifications from CalArts, one of the best graphic design schools in the United States, depending on the student's goals. And they get the choice So it all starts with that individual student and we custom curate a path for them. So for our entrepreneur, which I told you about max and he's getting all these stackable credentials when he said he wanted to learn social media. Well, who's the best in the world, social media. Now Northwestern's pretty good, but I'm not going to lie. Facebook is better. They invented it, right? So we pull not just from the top universities around the world, And then another student was really interested and bless her, in social media ethics. Guess what? I couldn't find a good course in the United States anywhere. No university in the United States does this well at all. I had to curate across the ocean for the University of Sydney. But how powerful is that? Because there is a difference, and this we need to be clear on, there is a difference between your introduction of marketing course at your local community college versus Penn. There is, because that professor is at the top of his field? And now every student has access to that professor. It's so powerful. It's so exciting. We are in a golden age of education. I know it's really daunting. I know the student debt crisis, and there's so many things to harp on, but I am a, an optimist and I do see the world changing. And this is, coming, this is coming very fast. Every university, there's Coursera. You can take, as an adult, the number one course at Yale that's the hardest to get into is the, I think it's called the Pursuit of Happiness. It's about happy. You can't get into it at Yale, but right now you can go on Coursera and you could take it for $18 in your own home. How incredible is that? So what we do is we work with the student, find the best in the world, considering their cons- constraints of time and money and their unique goals, whether that's clarity, a job or a degree, all those things. If you want to be a travel nurse, you need a degree. Okay. You can do that next with an online degree. And I, I know that online ed has had a bad rep, rightfully so during the pandemic, especially in K-12. And if you're a K-12 parent, you're like, oh my goodness, Ooh, can't even think of it. And I get it. I remember I'm a K-12 parent myself. You cannot take that experience and equate it to what happened in higher ed. Very different. Uh, Higher education saw an explosion of participation during COVID that in the classroom they don't have. Turns out this generation isn't one to raise their hands. They are one to put in a chat box, a comment. We saw grades go higher. We saw students move faster. And for certain learning profiles, online ed is a real gift because I had the really unique opportunity of being part of a study where we got to watch students during COVID and higher ed. They agreed to be videotaped while online in their classes. And I saw this student who was sitting listening to this lecture and she paused. And the teacher was a marketing course was going on and on about KPIs, 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 going on and on, you know, talking about how you use them, blah, blah. And I saw her go into Google and type in KPIs. How resourceful, how smart, how incredible. If she was in person, that whole class would have gone by and she would have no idea what's happening. I also saw students rewind, watch things again. You can't do that in a live lecture. And then for some students, I saw them fast forward. And that's super empowering because right now in in person, you're really constrained by time and place. And we see this happen a lot of universities of that student who needs to be there for the fifth year because the course they need to graduate is only offered in the spring term. This happens all the time. This is not a fluke thing. Well, with online ed, you can move as fast as you want. You can take that class anytime and you can save time and money.
0: I was just having this conversation with somebody this week about if the class isn't available, you're adding on another semester tuition. But the juxtaposition here for me is so obvious and intense. The mix approach is all about it's so student-centered and it's so focused on the student needs. And as a parent of a high school senior who is living and breathing the college application process right now, not so much for my own kid. He had one school that he wanted and he got in, but I'm watching, and I work in this space, but I'm watching these kids jump through hoops And, and become what the school needs them to be to get admission versus the school saying, oh my gosh, please come here and take classes with us. There are so many things going on here, like self-esteem. I'm watching kids not get into their schools. I'm watching them say, why am I not good enough? Or, well, what am I going to do now? Versus with a mix approach, it's what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? What do you bring to the table? This just blows my mind
1: right now. We're really passionate about this word next. We just want to figure out what's next. I feel like there's so much pressure. I don't know any 20 or 30-year-olds who know what they want to be when they grow up still. And these 18-year-olds think they're supposed to have it figured out. And it's unfair. So next, we always talk about what's next. And you know how we deal with this, the mental health crisis is alarming. And pre-COVID, we had 79% of college students having a mental health break on campus pre-COVID. And I can't even imagine what's happening now. Every student mix is a life coach in in addition to a mentor. So every student has a one-to-one advocate that's just there for them. And they could be working on any skills. I just recently spoke to a life coach who has a student whose skill this week they're focusing on is making their bed every morning. I know that sounds ridiculous in some sense, but is it? People who make their bed are five times more likely to accomplish their skills. And they, he is looking to create more organizational mechanisms. So there's someone advocating every day or every week. I think she checks in and they, and he has to ping a picture of his made bed to his coach and gets this small steps. So there are things that mix that you can work on. With your life coach, you have nothing to do with academics, but have to do with your personal development. In addition, though, we do have your mentor, who is your academic coach, who's helping you with your online ed, helping you with your projects. Every next student has to show mastery of their content through a real-world project or apprenticeship, whatever it is called for, depending on that unique student. So it really is this blend, and we're called Mix on Purpose. We are the mix of the best research of the cognitive science, the best practices in education, and then allowing our students to be the DJs. You're the DJ of your learning. I love that.
0: Oh, I love, I love all these music references. Okay, so we have, a, we have an important question. I'm going to let Carson ask it next. Yeah, so right now you're at the beginning of the mix, but what is the
1: plan for the future? Great question, Carson. So right now, we've done two terms. This fall, we will, one thing I should note is we limit the mix, each campus to 150 students. This is very purposeful. 150 is a famous number called Dunbar's Ratio in Anthropology. After 150, tribalism begins. And I'm not saying uh, it's just natural human nature. Just what I talked about at the beginning, where segregation happens, where students find cliques. So we make sure our communities are 150, and that is a number everyone can feel like they know their names and have close connections, and we could be a true family. So our goal is to open up more and more of these campuses only at 150, okay? Never going higher. So next up, we will be going to Europe and opening up our campus in Athens this summer of 23. We are super excited to bring Athens into the mix. Now, each of our campuses are our textbooks. The cities we reside are where the learning begins. So Athens has so much for our humanities students. We're just so excited. You know, our entrepreneurial students are so well served in Miami. Our Ecosciences, biology, sustainability students in Costa Rica are thriving. We are so excited to bring Athens into the mix. But the goal is to open up campus after campus, to continue to build out this mission, to bring in not just American students. We've already opened up. We have Canadians coming next term and maybe a few from the UK. But we believe that this education can be done anywhere. And we want to be in every location that inspires you, Carson. So Carson, where do you think we should go next? Hmm, that's a tough question. I'd probably say like California. Interesting. So domestic. This is so, I love talking to students like you, Carson, because we talk a lot about do people want more domestic opportunities at the mix? As we go to Europe, guess what? I bet the European students are like, I want to go to California. Right? So yeah, all right. California, I'm gonna put on the list. Well, it is already on the list, Carson, but I'm moving it up the list. Okay, so
0: let's give some parents advice. They're if they're sitting here listening, thinking, "I definitely want to introduce this," or or maybe there's a young adult or older adult listening who wants to get involved. What is um, what's your advice for them? How to get started? Well, first,
1: parents, I want to applaud you. If you are listening to this, you're clearly a parent who demands more and really cares about education. I want to tell you, take a deep breath. So, my first advice it is really quite a difficult arena right now. Uh, Only 1% go to those elite schools that everyone's less than 1% they're trying to get into. And you have to really take a more expansive view of what education is. And that's my big advice to you. What is the purpose of college? I will tell you, and this is pretty controversial, that class has very little to do with it. Uh, We know that most students don't use their class studies after they graduate. And we know that a month later, they've forgotten most of the the input they've been given. So really take a really focus on community. If you're interested in mix, thank you. I I applaud you. I think this is truly an opportunity where your child walks away with more than a piece of paper, but networks access and purpose and real life experience. You can go to our website, www.themix.com. Every Sundays and Wednesdays, we have parent information sessions. I think that's a great place to begin. You can also sign up for campus tours and see our monkeys at our Costa Rica campus right now. I really encourage that you always bring your student along. This is something that they should be driving. It should be in their wheelhouse, this is their first adulting moment. So please make them part of the process. We will not speak to you without them part of the process. So know that, we are very committed to that. And this is a real opportunity to have a expansive world, personalized, holistic education. Your job. Excellent advice.
0: And I really appreciate the fact that you won't speak to parents without the participant involved because I think that's incredibly important. Okay, so I know people are going to want to learn more and find you and follow you and all of the things. So what are the best
1: ways to do that? Yeah, you can always follow me. You can find me on LinkedIn, Abby Brody. Um, you can email me. I'm always happy to talk to parents and I want to hear what you're looking for. So that's Abby at The Mix, T-H-E-M-Y because you are in the middle of the mix, my You can also follow us on Instagram, at Live the Mix and TikTok. Oh, Carson, we are getting on TikTok. What? We've gone viral. We have over five million views in the last three weeks. That's impressive. It's clearly resonating. What student? And what we're seeing a lot of is students transferring out of traditional ed to come to us. They are in their dorm rooms playing beer pong in a basement and depressed.
0: Well, I, I'm going to include all those links in the show notes and I am going to promote the heck out of you on my social media and in my newsletter, because I believe so much in what you're doing and the value you are bringing to young people. So I just, I, I can't thank you enough for being here and for sharing all this information. Carson, do you have anything else to add? Uh, No, I think that's it. Okay. We got all We got all our questions answered, I think. Right? Yeah.
1: Carson, am I going to see you in a few years? Uh, probably. <laughs> nice. well, we can't, I can't wait to make your individualized course mix. And it sounds like you could be an incredible journalist one day. And uh, I just want to thank you both. This is truly a really incredible podcast that you've started, Betsy. And I know that parents are dying for this information and it's really shielded from them. You know, no one talks about return investment education. It's a dirty word because we don't really know how to value it. Like, how do you measure it? We've done a pretty good job here at MIX. Uh, we spent five years trying to measure it, and it's pretty clear that traditional ed does work for 14% of the population, but not the majority. So if you have an experiential learner who does not do well in a general ed track classroom, or even an entrepreneur, or a student who doesn't need a degree to get what they need, please look us up, because we're there for you. Sounds good. All right, thanks so much. Thank you.
0: As someone who is a big fan of alternative education paths, I was beyond excited to speak with Abby. Her enthusiasm and passion are contagious, and I look forward to staying in touch with Abby to follow along as the mix continues to evolve and expand. Some of the statistics that Abby shared are staggering. 78% of college graduates never use their degree of study. Let that sink in. I feel like I've spent way too much time on this podcast focusing on how higher ed is failing our students, and I've decided to make a concerted effort to spend more time focusing on organizations, institutions, and companies that are student-centered and delivering solutions. So when I encounter an organization like The Mix, providing young learners with customized learning opportunities where and when they need them, you can bet that I'll be sharing them with you. Stay tuned for more conversations like this one. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm so grateful you took the time to listen. Please share this podcast with someone who will find it helpful. Be sure and check out the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com slash 116, where I will include links mentioned during this episode. If you or a young person you know needs some career guidance, I can help. You can learn more about me and the coaching I offer at betsyjewelcoaching.com. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.
1: You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts